You're listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Matt Loverin and me, Jim Shamaria. Our goal is to start a conversation about life and leadership in the local church. Welcome back to the Pastoral Calling Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Jim. So we're back after a short little break. We're on summer break uh, in the month of June, but we're back now with a, a new episode. Yeah, we both had vacations very restful, and we're anticipating a great finish to the summer. That's right. And today we are talking about coaching and its potential and possibilities for impacting our ministries as pastors and other leaders in the local church. As we talk about life and leadership in the local church, this uh, up-and-coming discipline or skill set of coaching has been really influential in my life and I know in your ministry as well, Jim. What we're talking about with coaching is a set of skills that allow us as pastors and leaders to come alongside people and help them when they're stuck, whether that's in an area of spiritual growth or maybe there's a new and developing area of ministry. Someone comes to us and they want to start a ministry, but they're not sure how, they're not sure what to do. And we want to give them the tools to really equip them to use the gifts that God has given them, maybe when they don't feel like they know what to do next. I know that uh, in my ministry, uh, in my work at Grace Bible College, coaching has been just hugely effective. I can't overstate how helpful it has been, especially early on in the process, to have Tim Cosby, who we'll talk about uh, with later in the episode, ask me some very powerful questions about what motivated me, Uh, about the obstacles that I was going to face, and then how to overcome those obstacles in the midst of trying to achieve the goals that I had set out to achieve. Right. So the idea, uh, I think the term coaching is is great because just like a sports coach, you're not going to get out on the field and play the game for the athlete, but you're going to try to equip them so that they can use what they already have so that they can meet those goals. And so I went to a a short two-day course uh, with the Empowerment Coaching Center And I know you've done a longer experience. I'm sure we'll talk more about that with Tim in a few minutes here. But yeah, it's been something that I've drawn upon quite a bit uh, in different counseling sessions or just conversations I've had uh, with different members of my congregation to really help them make the decisions that are in line with their goals. But hopefully as a pastor in line with the gospel and in line with uh, the way of the way of God. Just like a professional baseball player, whether it's a pitcher or a hitter, these are athletes who are at the top of their field, they're at the top of their game, they're the best in the world, and they still have coaches. They still have someone who can come alongside them and point out uh, the tiniest little changes and, and the most fractional details that can be adjusted to take their performance to an even higher level. And that's what we want to think about with with ministry. And I think we want to couple that with the grace of God at work in us and at work in our ministries. So this is not simply us taking control or using um, a human or a worldly based system to try to achieve more in our ministries, but rather uh, listening to the Holy Spirit and using the gifts that God has given us to empower people to do the ministry. Right. If we truly believe that uh, the theology, uh, the doctrine of the image of God is true in that each person is a reflection of God. I think we are right to, to try to help them be the best version, if I could borrow some 
Oprah-ish language <laughs> to be the best version of the of who they are, who they've been created to be. So let's uh, let's get right to it. Welcome back to the Pastoral Calling. We are here with Tim Cosby of the Empowerment Coaching Center. We're excited to talk a little bit about what you do, Tim, and and how that can impact some of our listeners and us who are in small church ministry. Great. Thanks, Jim and Matt. Uh, Good to be here with you today. Um, Yeah, I'm part of the uh, Empowerment Coaching Network that started uh, in 2010, and actually, uh, I'd started a private coaching practice and hired a business coach because uh, seminary and Bible college doesn't equip you to run a business. And so <laughs> I needed to learn how to do that. So I did that, and my business coach actually ended up asking me one day, what would you think about partnering together and designing a training that, you could, that we could take into the church and start training people how to coach? So we did that in 2010. And since then, uh, we've gone into churches and nonprofits and businesses and colleges and high schools, um, trained over 700, pe- 700 people or so. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's been a very, very fulfilling ministry for me. I, I spent most of my life uh, as a pastor and uh, was at Cornerstone University for about 10 years in student development area. And I wish I would have known then what I know now Mm. about uh, helping people to move from where they are to where God wants them to be and to use coaching to do that. So it's been a a great journey. So Matt and I tried to spitball a definition of coaching, but let's go straight to you. Mm -hmm. When you talk about coaching, what what do you mean by that? Yeah. Um, my, my elevator speech is that um, coaching is helping people to change without telling them what to do. Mm. So it's just a non-directive way to help people take ownership of their own goals and uh, f- have them figure out how they're going to meet them. Why is that so important? Why is it important to help people achieve their goals without telling them what to do? And why is that such a big I'm good trap? at telling people what to do. I know, and I feel like a lot of us <laughs> are. We, naturally gravitate toward telling this person what they need to hear, whether that's right. something biblical or it's a, a change in their Christian life they need to make. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a great question. I've spent a lot of time thinking about that. I uh, actually was just making a presentation this morning to an organization and was talking to their leaders about what it means to become a full-spectrum leader. Because um, when, when we were going through uh, seminary, perhaps, um, we were kind of taught to lead on the very, kind of the directive end of the leadership spectrum, Yeah. right? And we're experts, and, and we should be experts, right? right? Um, but we weren't really taught anything about the other end of the spectrum. And that's where people take ownership, they take responsibility, that's where creativity happens, that's where collaboration happens, that's where coaching happens, that's where empowerment happens. And most leaders just have not learned how to lead on that side of the spectrum. So it's not an either or, you know, it's not that coaching is good and everything else isn't. Um, It's that I think leaders need to learn how to lead all the way across the spectrum. So when they come into those situations where someone needs to be empowered and take ownership for their 
their goals, that they know how to do that. So that's I think that's what coaching approach brings to the table because most of us are pretty good at giving direction right. and if we have to be an expert and tell people something we, we can usually do that but um, I don't find as many leaders that are, are good listeners and know how to ask good questions mm. and lead people in a process where they actually take ownership of their goals because if they don't take ownership they won't do it. So you're, you spent how many years as a pastor? Um, I, you know, I started in 1974, I guess, so do the math. <laughs> so for and a while. I, yeah, for a while, and it was in about six different churches, and then I was at Cornerstone University for about 10 years. So how did your experience and identity as a pastor influence or shape what you're doing now as coaching? Like, hmm. how did that feed off one another? Because there's obviously big similarities what is that relationship between your identity as a pastor and now your role as a as a coach? Yeah, I think I, I was uh, I kind of came into this kind of kicking and screaming and dragging my feet because I felt like God was asking me to do something new. I wasn't sure what it was, but he was also asking me, you know, will you trust me now? Because at the time I left my pastoral role. I was 55 and very, very comfortable, could have retired, you know, nobody wanted me to leave. It was, it was a great situation. And, and it was very, very scary to step out into this whole new, this is a really a whole new career <laughs> that I've developed. And, um, but the, the cool thing about that for me, the connection point to answer your question is that I've just always, you know, had a pastor's heart. I just want to shepherd people. <laughs> and that's helping them to move from here to here, right? Yeah. So this is just a different way to do that. And I think God really wants to bring coaching into the life of the church because I think it will really make a huge difference. Why do you think it's hard for maybe some of us who are more directive in our leadership? And I'm thinking of pastors who may be listening to this. What are you trying to say? (laughs) Why is it difficult to let go of that advice giving, that directive style of leadership? You know, I think in the American culture, let's just talk about the United States culture. I think the definition of a man is somebody who can give advice Mm. and and give the right advice and fix things. Mm. So a true man, if you watch TV for a while, the image of a true man is the guy that can do everything all by himself and just give everybody the answer. He can fix your car. He can build a house. Mm-hmm. You know, he can, he can do whatever. And All things I'm great at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> see? So, so you don't even need coaching. See? So, so I think that the, the, our culture has programmed us to, to be tellers and to be fixers, not to be askers and listeners. Mm. What about women who might think of themselves as good at advice giving? Well, I don't think the gender really makes any difference. Um, uh, Actually, I think women are a little bit more attuned to a coaching approach because they tend to be better listeners. Um, But there's women out there that, uh, you know, uh, are just as good at giving advice as men are. So Mm -hmm. I really don't think it's it's a gender thing. Well, maybe there's some people out there who are still kind of struggling to understand, like, what actually is coaching. What is What does it actually look like? If yeah. you and I are in a coaching relationship and I come to you, what does this look like? Okay. Um, maybe it would be good to differentiate it from some of the models that we're really yeah. familiar with, like mentoring, counseling, advising. 
training, teaching, um, all of those things are, are the way most of us have learned to help people make decisions. So mentoring is kind of a top-down, expert-based model where you're kind of pouring into the other person. Mm -hmm. Coaching is coming alongside, and it's not a, you know, a top-down model. It's coming alongside and pulling out from mm -hmm. the other person. So if you come to me and, and you're stuck or you're here and you want to move over here, sure. <laughs> um, then we think that the best way for you to get there is, is to use a coaching approach, which actually starts with asking questions and listening, helping you figure out where you're at, because most people don't really know where they're at. They just know they're stuck. Right. Right. So helping them to figure out where they're at and then what do you need to do to move down this road to get towards your goal? And as you do that and as a person answers questions, open-ended questions, they begin to discover some things. And so coaching is built on this principle that people will understand, value, and apply what you help them to discover, not what you tell them. So it's all based on a very educational, sound educational model of, of discovery-based learning, really. And, and I think that's the best way that people learn, and it's the best way to really help people when they're, when they're stuck. Right, the idea that I'm going to really take ownership of something that I discover more than I am when you just tell me what I need to know. Yeah, and I think all of us you know, listening to this today would, would agree with that. Yeah. I don't think any of us really appreciate it when someone comes to us, especially unsolicited, right. and says, Jim, I think this is the way you should do that. Because inside you're thinking, well, you don't really understand me and you don't really understand the situation. Yeah. So I think it's much better to say, well, Jim, tell me about the situation that mm. you're in right now. Right. Yeah. And, and that way, uh, I think I could help you discover uh, the best way to solve this issue. Yeah. I guess the term empowering really is a good one because it, it gives people permission to really just own wherever they are and whatever they're doing. And like this is a unique situation to me. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be a unique answer that I'm going to need to, to work to get to. Yeah, that, that's really good. I like the way you said that, because we say that coaching is a unique conversation. Hmm. And, and it really is, because most conversations are about telling and giving advice. Right. Um, Pulling from the stock answer set of yeah. this is the answer to this problem. Yeah, it's yeah. like I experienced something like that before, and here's what I did. Therefore, you should do what I did. Yeah. And we, I think most of us know that that doesn't usually work. Yeah. What about someone who comes to you and says, coaching? That's not biblical. I don't mm -hmm. read anything about coaching in the scriptures. Right. Uh, you know, I do see this model of discipling. Mm. I do see a model of mentoring, maybe mm. for a, a Paul and a Timothy or something like that. What would you say to someone who says, uh, I, have some, I have some concerns or some doubts about whether this coaching idea really fits in a biblical model? Yeah. Well, I think that's a really good question, uh, and I think they should just read my book. <laughs> <laughs> Which is available on... <laughs> um, no, um, I, yeah, I think that's a great question. I've spent a lot of time thinking about that. And, um, you know, if, if you start thinking through from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and you think about the way God dealt with Israel um, and the prophets, he asked a ton of questions, hmm. right? So even starting in Genesis, you're, you're finding questions. And so he says to Adam, where are you? 
right? Mm-hmm. Which is a very profound question, I'm sure, for Adam, you know. Uh, what have you been doing, and how's this going for you now, right. you know, that you decided to disobey me? If you keep going through the, the prophets, um, you find uh, this, this kind of questioning approach to helping people discover and so the prophets use that same approach, you know, they ask questions. You get to the ministry of Jesus, and if you go through the four Gospels, there are at least a hundred different questions that Jesus asks, yeah. right? So Very rabbinical. Very is. rabbinical, yeah. and, and I think, and rightly so, because that, I think that's the way people learn. But, but, of course, you know, Jesus asked some really, really profound questions um, that were, I think, pretty difficult to answer. I, I, one of my favorite questions is uh, when he asked the blind man, um, you know, what do you want me to do for you? Mm. Which just sounds kind of like a no-brainer. It's like, well, of course I want, my, I want to see. But I, I, I really appreciate the way Jesus just kind of put the ball in the other person's court, you know, or, or to the disciples. Who do you say I am? Yeah, you know? that's one of my favorites, too, making Peter and making the disciples really <clears throat> wrestle with, what are we doing here? Why are we following this right, guy? exactly. And I think this might have just driven the disciples crazy sometimes yeah. because he was always asking them questions. You know, <laughs> why are you so afraid? You know, and, um, you know, where are we going to get food for all these people? And they were probably thinking, well, that's your job, yeah. <laughs> right? Not mine. So, um, so do I think that that uh, coaching is in the Bible? Well, probably not the way that we're defining it, perhaps. But I do think that the the discovery process of asking another person and listening to the other person and honoring them in that way, I think Jesus modeled that really well. And we talked about that in the in the opening a little bit about honoring the image of God in a person and honoring the work of God that God is doing in the person's life, not assuming that we know what the next right steps are for them, sure. but rather allowing them to discern in a prayerful process with the direction of the Holy Spirit, what are their next steps? Sure. Because they have to own those, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you talked about discipleship. A friend of mine uh, said, I think that coaching is God's new wineskin for discipleship. Mm. And I said, well, that's a really interesting way to, to use that term. Um, but in, in discipling, the, the object is for the other person with their whole heart to follow Christ. And y- you can tell them stuff until you're blue in the face, but they're going to have to figure out, how do I follow Jesus? And I think asking questions, you know, uh, what do you need to know? What don't you know? Uh, you know, where are you right now? And, and those kinds of things. I think that's a really good approach to discipleship rather than us coming alongside and saying, read these 14 chapters <laughs> out of this book and, you know, just do what it says. Mm. I wonder how much of this has to do with kind of the, the cultural mindset of the modern world or the late modern world or whatever you want to mm. call it, where I think many people are gravitating towards more of a um, cooperative way of leading and working together rather than kind of the top down, you know, what we think of as maybe our parents or grandparents generation of I'm the boss, you listen to me. Um, That maybe doesn't resonate as well with millennials or people who were raised in that environment. Do you think that speaks at all Mm -hmm. to to the reason that coaching works? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I don't know the answer to that question. I just know that that seems to be what's happening. Yeah. Why it's happening, I'm, I'm not sure I could really tell yeah. you. 
but um, we're living in a very highly collaborative world because we're all so connected. Yeah. Right. And so, 45 years ago, when I was a teenager, um, you know, we weren't really that connected. So I, I do think it's different. I'm reading a really great book right now. <clears throat> it's called My Steam Engine is Broken. And it's kind of written from a corporate viewpoint of this old model of top-down command and control manufacturing model. And now we're in the information age or knowledge age or even beyond perhaps. And how that this we're still trying to use the steam engine hmm. to power this highly collaborative culture that we live in perhaps because it's all that they know Hmm. what are some of your favorite coaching questions to ask what are your go-to questions or if you could recommend a couple of questions to our listeners to say just try this in your next conversation with somebody well here's a very powerful question Um, if you start out a conversation with what would you like to talk about today I just think that's a such a simple question, but most conversations don't start out that way. Somebody sets the agenda for that conversation. So I, I love that question. Um, I like I like I use a question at the end of a lot of my coaching conversations, my formal coaching conversations, and say, "What do you know now that you didn't know an hour ago? That's going to help you move forward." And I found that to be a very very powerful question because mainly because I don't think people even think that way in a normal conversation. You know, they're like, oh, you know, you just have a conversation, then right. you go and go have a cup of coffee someplace. But to say, so what What have you discovered now in the last 30 to 45 minutes that you think is really going to be important? And it usually makes them stop and think, like, oh, well, uh, yeah, I think this. Kind of like why it's so important at the end of a sermon, if you're kind of going for an application to really bring that down at the end. Okay, this is why I've just told you all these things for the last 30 minutes. Now go and do likewise. (laughs) Right. I I think so. And so I I think in that sense, coaching would be a wonderful uh, kind of a tool or or an approach for pastors to use. Um, Because having been a pastor, um, we were kind of taught to just kind of tell people the truth. Here's the truth and three points in a poem or whatever it is. But then to learn how to, to ask good questions hmm. so to help them apply. It's like, so what are you going to do with this now? And so you're talking about now coaching in the sermon. I'm talking about coaching in the sermon. Interesting. In fact, one of the, one of the uh, professors from this very college uh, went through our training, and uh, his first response to me at the end of the two-day training was, he said, you know, this is going to make a big difference in the way I teach in the classroom. Hmm. And I said, tell me about that. And he said, well, I realize that I've done a lot of telling and I give a lot of information out, but I don't usually ask a lot of open-ended questions. And so I'm wondering if my students are actually discovering things or if they're just listening to me and writing things down. And I said, well, that's a really interesting insight. And I I think it's going to make a big difference. So I think it could in a sermon too. Yeah. Right? So when I went through my coaching two-day two day event, there were some uh, dissenters <laughs> in the room mm-hmm. who were very firm on the idea of there are some things that are true, and I need to be the person that gives this absolute truth. Like, this is the answer to this problem. There is no other option. This is what I'm going to give them. What 
what do you say to that? I mean, as pastors, there is a sense of we are called to, uh, to teach the word of God, something that we claim to be an absolute truth. Like this is, this mm-hmm. is the answer. There's not a lot of budge room on, on questions like adultery or something mm-hmm. like that in scripture. How does the coaching open-ended uh, collaborative model work hand in hand with the pastoral authority or do they not work or is there, do we need to be rethinking some of those things? Yeah. I like that. I like the, just the way you put that. Um, I think, first of all, you'd have to differentiate between coaching and preaching because they're not the same, right? Do we need to preach? You bet, right? Um, Is is there a place for coaching? I think so. They're not the same. Right. So when we talked earlier about that full-spectrum leadership, there are times when you need to lead on the very directive side of the spectrum. Hmm. You just do because the occasion calls for that. And people need to know the truth. So here's the truth, but then... How are you going to help them apply that? So it's not that you have to withhold telling the truth. That's not what we're saying. (laughs) We're just saying that there are times when people need to take ownership of this truth and apply it to their lives. So how are you going to help them do that? That's where I think the coaching in hand in hand with the preaching or teaching or counseling or whatever it is, I think it's, it's even more powerful when you couple those two together. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to, to, to talk about that. And I'm envisioning some of the counseling sessions I have with people in my congregation, and we're working through issues. And there's a very clear biblical solution to this problem. And that's not what the discussion is going to be about. The discussion is going to be, how do I get there? Because it's not like you're going to wake up one morning and all of a sudden you're the person that you know you, you need to be. Mm-hmm. But it's helping them to get to that point. Yeah, and, and we always teach that coaching is for the willing. Yeah. And so uh, in a coaching conversation, someone comes to you because they're feeling stuck in this area or they're trying to solve this problem, and they'd like to have some help. They don't want you to tell them what to do. Right. They want you to help them kind of figure it out. So that's a, that's a different kind of situation than even a counseling situation where maybe it's a disciplinary kind of situation sure. that pastors get into. Um, and th- that's a different kind of situation. So, so I just say let's not uh, make coaching to be the only thing because we're not saying just coach that's not what we're saying it's like what if you added coaching to all these other ways that you help people to change and i imagine that there are a lot of opportunities in which coaching would be super effective that we're just not applying it because we're not thinking about it in my experience it's been often the the everyday struggles of people that will benefit most from the coaching approach it's not that there's some big sin in their life or some big critical life issue. It's how do I deal with my teenager? Hmm. And, and there's not, there are specific scriptures that deal with how we talk to each other Mm -hmm. in a general sense as believers, but there's not specific verses on how to deal with your, you know, punk teenager. (laughs) But Hmm. to give an example um, of being able to move in and out of those coaching conversations, Hmm. My wife and I do some premarital counseling with couples, and we've worked with couples who have struggled to speak kindly to each other. Hmm. And we say to them, if you're going to 
be married, you need to learn to speak kindly to each mm. other. This is part of the communication process that mm. you learn and do as part of premarital counseling. Here's the principles, here's the scriptures, and we're doing a lot of teaching. Mm. But they continue to struggle, and they continue to struggle. And then finally we say, okay, we're taking the coaching hat off, mm. and we're going to give you the, the Word of God hat, and <laughs> go to Ephesians 4 and mm. say, mm-hmm. speak kindly and tenderly, tenderly to one another. This is God's word to you. Now, are you going to decide to obey that or not? That's Mm -hmm. your decision and your own discipleship. Right. And once they decide that, yes, we are going to take that seriously, then you can step into that coaching role. And then coaching comes back and you can say, what does that look like for you as a couple? How are you going to make sure that you and your own married life are going to follow these directives from God? Yeah. Because they have to take ownership of that. Exactly. Because they're, they're not going to be theirs. They're not going to walk out of your living room and do what you just told them to do, <laughs> just because you told them. Right. It'd right. be really nice if that. If or they might that do way. that for a day or two. They might. But they have to have that internal motivation, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they do. They got. They got to own this thing. Mm-hmm. In your uh, coaching training, Tim, you talk about push and pull. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that a little bit? Why yeah. is the pull so important? Well, we say that everyone is either being pushed by goals or pulled by goals. And everyone has goals. The question is whether they're their own personal goals or someone else's goals for them. So let's take the college setting right here. There's a lot of students that come to this college that are coming because of someone else's goals for them. Could be their parents, could be their grandparents, a best friend, a teacher, whatever. They get here to college and they find that they're not really fully engaged because they're, they were pushed here. And they didn't fully own this thing yet, right? So the, the goal of coaching is to help them understand, you know, are you being pushed right now? And if so, by what? You know, can you identify that? And what could pull you through the situation, right? Um, in other words, how do you see this fitting into your hopes and dreams and your vision for the future? And once you can help them connect that, and it connects with their passion or their mission, then that starts to pull them into the future, rather than feeling like you're being pushed in the, from, from behind. I think that's so important because it, it reflects um, a biblical worldview of God who is in control of all things, who is working all things together for our good as believers, and who has a future for us, and is collectively pulling us toward his future. Yeah, and and following God, living a Christian lifestyle is difficult when you're just trying to follow the rules because you think you have to follow the rules. But once you start to make those connections between being the person that God has created you to be, like being able to live this life that is to the fullest, as Jesus says, that really changes the way that you interact with with God. Sure. I use a a very simple illustration in the trainings that I do when we're talking about the push and pull. Let's say that somebody my age goes to the doctor and the doctor says, you know, Tim, if you don't change your diet, you're going to die. So now I go home, and so my wife says, so how'd the doctor visit go? Well, he told me I had to change my diet. Well, I don't, but I don't really want to change my diet. Okay, so a coaching approach to that would be, okay, so 
what's pushing you right now? Well, this doctor is telling me to change my diet, and I actually like my diet, so I don't want to change it. Okay, well, um, would you like to die? No, I don't really <laughs> want to die. Okay, well, then let's talk about what other options you have, right? And, and so what are the kinds of things that you think might start pulling you rather than pushing you? Mm. And so you're asking a few questions, and you find out that this guy has a 16-year-old daughter, and he'd like to walk her down the aisle someday and give her away in marriage, right? So, so you'd like to be around for that. Yeah, I'd like to be around for that. So what's that going to take? Well, I'll probably have to change my diet. Okay, so now he's being pulled, right, to yep. do what he yeah, really yep. needs to do, but the whole thing is just turned around. All of a sudden, you change the motivation. Yeah. Yeah. When people feel stuck, they haven't been given the opportunity or maybe the freedom to ask the question, what could be different? or what are my possible options? Yeah. And to be able to just brainstorm, and I know sometimes as coaches we, we make suggestions and mm-hmm. we say, I have an idea, would mm-hmm. you mind if I mm-hmm. share that along with you? And we give those little prompts that can help people just with everyday small things. Uh, in my experience of, of coaching students and different people uh, on campus at Grace Bible College, they become so empowered at the end of a coaching conversation that they bounce out of the room with an energy and yeah. a vibrancy that says, I can't wait to go do this next thing. Right? right. Because you've helped them to change their perspective. And perspective is everything, right? We know that. Mm. So I think that's what, that's the real power behind coaching. It helps people to, as you said, come up with another possible option because they feel stuck. And when you feel stuck, you don't see any options. <laughs> You're just stuck. So I think that's that's the power of that coaching approach. Let's start talking about what this would look like if somebody is listening out there mm-hmm. and they're saying, wow, this sounds interesting, but it sounds like something that I could make a, a really effective part of my own ministry as a pastor mm-hmm. or as a lay leader or whatever. What where do I do from here? Sure. Well, you know, six years ago, my partner and I were asking that very question. So we designed this two-day training that you guys have referred to. So, you know, we do those public trainings just about every month. Here in Grand Rapids. Here in Grand Rapids. And now that two-day training is in an online format. So a person can take the content uh, and the process of that two-day training over about a five-week period, Hmm. uh, twice a week, about two 90-minute modules um, online, um, and you basically can go through the whole two-day training in about five weeks and about 10 sessions. So you can do this thing online or you can do it live. Where do people go to find out about this? Yeah, they can just go to empowermentcoachingnetwork.com and find out just about all the information they'd want to find. Would people have access to your book there as well? There is a link. Um, Our book is available on Amazon, but there is a link on our website that will take you to our book, Coaching Based Ministry. My my board chairman is a big fan of Coaching Based Ministry, and he constantly, as we're working through issues together as a board, is not only coaching us, (laughs) and we know when he's coaching us, Mm -hmm. but he's also encouraging me to think about some of the conversations I have in terms of coaching. And, and I can just speak from my, you know, just from going through the two-day. I know Matt's been 
a little bit deeper into the training, but just from the two-day seminar, how much it's impacted my ministry in just small little ways. You know, it's not something I'm thinking about all the time, mm-hmm. but I now have a new approach to how I engage with stuff. So, so anybody out there listening uh, comes recommended from, from me and mm-hmm. from Matt, I'm sure, as well. I'll add my recommendation to it. No, it's very powerful, and I can confidently say that I would not be where I am today, nor would Grace Bible College be where we are in terms of offering our first master's degree if it weren't for the influence of uh, the Empowerment Coaching Network. So we're very thankful for your ministry, Tim. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. So one of the things that we like to end our podcast with is talking about challenges and joys of ministry. And so you're not doing full-time pastoral ministry right now, but I I think you still understand your vocation as ministry. Mm -hmm. And so how does that question sit with you? What is the biggest challenge of what you do and what's the biggest joy? (laughs) Well, I'll start with a challenge. Everybody does that. Do they? Okay. (laughs) They can think of those a lot quicker. (laughs) Well, yeah, I can can think of the joy too, but I want to end with the joy. Yes, maybe that's it. I think the challenge for me, because I own the business and I'm running the business, is that we're trying to get, we're trying to take coaching into the church. And, and that's, it's a very challenging thing to do because there's, there's a lot of obstacles to get this into the church and to get pastors trained, to get boards cha- trained, you know, which I think would be great for every board. Um, so that, that's, always, that's just a, always a big challenge for me because I want to see that happen so bad. Um, I think some of my greatest joys, and I got one today, so this is very, very fresh. In fact, I, just about two hours ago, I got an email from one of our coaches uh, that we trained uh, with the DeVos Foundation here last year. And she ended up coaching uh, a group of pastors, inner city pastors, mm-hmm. that were in this program. And instead of using mentors, they decided to use coaches. So we trained their coaches for them inner city African American uh, and Hispanic women uh, to, to coach. So I just got an email today. And it was forwarded by one of the pastors that this lady had coached. And he was talking about what a tremendous impact this made on his life and mm-hmm. his ministry. And it gave him a whole new perspective. It just kind of gave him a fresh look at what he was doing and gave him some options. And he was just kind of gushing all over the place of, you know, how great this experience was. So she sent it to me and she said, hey, this is really cool. You know, I want you to be encouraged when you read this because, you know, this is the kind of stuff that's happening now because you've trained us to coach. Tim, what about some recommendations of resources that you might have for pastors or other leaders in the church who want to take a next step or might want to just learn a little bit more about coaching, what direction would you send them? Yeah, well, they certainly can go to our website, theempowermentcoachingnetwork.com. They can check out our book, Coaching Based Ministry. Um, I'm part of a network of uh, coach training school directors from around the United States, and these guys are good friends. Uh, One of them, his name is Tony Stoltzfus. Um, and he's Can got you spell a that? S-T-O-L-T-Z-F-U-S. <laughs> wow. And he has a website called coach22.net, I believe it is. Um, he's got just tremendous coaching resources on that website. Lots of books and uh, articles and all sorts of helps. Well, thanks, Tim. I've really appreciated and enjoyed 
been able to talk with you a little more and learn about your heart and your ministry and some of your goals. And I, I know that some of our listeners will really be encouraged by this as well. Good. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Thanks very much, Tim. Thanks, Matt. You've been listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Jim Shamaria and me, Matt Loverin. Join us every two weeks as we start a new conversation about life and leadership in the local church. If you like us, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud or on iTunes. And also tell all your friends so they can join the conversation.